We get to have a catch-up and a sit-down with one of the shining lights when it comes to broadcasting and media in this country. She has done it all. She's worked across TV, radio, print, and online media in South Africa. And now she's doing us proud as a CNN correspondent. Eleni Diokos is with us in studio. Hello, Eleni. Hi, Zania. How are you doing? It's great to have you here. I mean, Thank off you. the TV screen. And right here in the flesh in real life. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. And I'm such a fan of yours. So thank you so much. For I'm a fan on. of yours. Jeez, okay, fine. Mutual appreciation yeah. club for the next half hour. Pardon us. Sorry. <laughs> so what have the past couple of years been like? What, two Insane. years now? Yeah, 2015, I joined Three, CNN. Yeah. yeah. And it's been traveling across the continent, um, traveling to the US and to Europe and anchoring shows like Quest Means Business. You know, Richard Quest, if you guys don't know who he is, I mean, he's like that crazy business anchor that we have at but his own style and exactly i mean such a you know an icon and then you get to sit in for him and anchor his show from new york it's like it's absolutely insane i've gone to the new york stock exchange and done live shows from there Mm -hmm. i've traveled to north uh, south korea i shouldn't say north korea Mm -hmm. Uh, south korea i've done all sorts of things and you know traveling across africa and meeting the most incredible entrepreneurs and also business leaders you know so from the streets to the boardroom i've done a lot and it's been so eye-opening and um telling stories out of the continent yeah. and hopefully for a global audience so we do try and, and kind of capture the stories from that angle but it's always about trying to stay true to what is happening in and Africa. we know for so long the story of this continent has not been told no. in a way that reflects how we feel as the citizens of this continent exactly. so you can see the change you can see the turn and it's people like you but how did you get to see it i know it's I mean, let's talk about that because it's like that's like the game no i mean like this particular opportunity you know how did I it know. happen well this particular opportunity i was sitting at home and it was around 7 p.m and i saw a call coming through from new york you know because your phone's now clever they can tell you where the call is coming from <laughs> and i was like oh it's probably someone who wants to talk to me about something that's playing out in africa and i usually did a lot of interviews for global companies anyway mm-hmm. so i thought i was going to be interviewed and she's like hi i'm penny manis um from cnn and i'm like you know conversation kind of continues and she says to me well um are you interested to chat? And I was like, well, yes, what what do you need to talk about? You know, these are the stories that are playing out in Africa. Happy to talk to you guys about them. And she was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) No, we we would like to chat to you because we've seen you on Bloomberg and we are, you know, we like your style and we, you know, we don't have anything kind of concrete to offer, but we want to open the conversation with you. Wow. And then I was like, look, this was, I think this was about Feb, and I'm like, look, I'm coming to the International Monetary Fund meetings in April. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. Why don't I, you know, pop over and see you guys? They flew me to Atlanta while I was in Washington. Yeah. And they were like, this is not going to be a serious meeting. It's just going to be, hello, walk yeah. and talk. Don't ever take that seriously. Whenever people invite you <laughs> to any kind of meeting, it is an interview. <laughs> it is an interview. Prepare as if it's an interview. And I was interviewed for nonstop for mm-hmm. about five hours. I literally was being walked around the CNN Atlanta, um, you know, kind of big uh, building. It was huge. And I was so taken aback and I was so nervous. I didn't yeah. even get offered water. It was crazy. Five hours. Uh, it was five hours. Literally, it landed up being five hours. And I walked out of there and I just took such a deep breath. And I thought, Eleni, you're so stupid. Of course, 
this was a hardcore interview, interview <laughs> with all the executives at CNN, and it just turned out to be, you know, the, the opportunity of a lifetime because they and like was me. that the only time? And then after that, it's like that we was, want you. That was the only time, and it's actually, amazing. just a few, you know, days later, they're like, you know, what do you want to do? And um, these are the things that we want to offer you. And I was like, cool, I'm getting married when I come back. And I literally, that was April, and I started on the first of September, 2015, at CNN. And I mean, I haven't looked back since. It's oh. been incredible. So was it part of your dream? Was it part of something that you foresaw as part of your journey as a journalist? Well, let me tell you who foresaw this. Peter Ndoro, very good friend of mine, of course, one of the best broadcasters in South Africa. And we were sitting having lunch and there was a screen behind us and CNN was on and he literally took a photograph and he said, Eleni, I'm manifesting this for you. And he literally showed me and I said, there's no way I would ever end up at CNN. But deep down, I always wanted to go big and global, right? And it was it was a huge dream of mine to end up at CNN, but I didn't want to admit it then. And then when he took that photograph, I kind of put it on my vision board and said, this is a possibility I can do this if I can be in the same photograph as a logo CNN why can't I actually physically be there I mean this is a young Eleni speaking so I was very up in the air kind of utopia yeah I could achieve anything and I'm glad that I did think that way I think now I'm a little bit more conservative and prudent in my thinking mm-hmm. but it happened and I do believe in manif- manifestation I do believe that you've got to think about things before yes. they actually happen yeah because I was gonna say to you don't you feel that by then not acknowledging it by not opening up that the the floods to this dream that you also curtail it because once you open those floodgates and say this is what i want this is the scale of what i want exactly then you've opened the floodgates and everything and if you do believe in the attraction and you talk about the universe with the the creator whatever the basis of your beliefs are that it will conspire this absolutely you know it'll happen because that's that's part of the work that you need to do. So you've got to be positive. You've got to think about it. But you also have to work really, really hard every single day. Yes. Relentlessly. It's not just about I'm dreaming about it. I'm going to be at CNN. I literally hard sat work. down and I said, where do I want to be? And what is it going to take to get me there? And I would watch all the global anchors, how they spoke, what kind of stories they covered, and mm. the way they dressed, and their style. And I literally would try and mimic that. So I would constantly work towards that. And I would not stop until I felt that I was getting closer and closer on a personal level. Right. And in a way, I... What I mean, is that star? What is that star? What is, well, that star, I mean, look, in South Africa, let's go back 10 years when I kind of started on TV. Yeah. South Africa is a lot more conservative. You know, women weren't showing their arms on TV yet. We were all wearing blazers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was being told to cut my hair because it's way too long. When, by the way, when I went to CNN for that interview, my hair was at its longest because I was going to get married in a few months. Uh So I was literally growing it to the floor (laughs) and they hired me with a super long hair. But at the same time, I had all these conservative South African bosses going, you've got to cut your hair if you want to get big here. You know, anyway, it's not a professional look, It's not a professional look. It's not corporate. And people don't take you seriously with long hair because I mean, you know, that's what people take you seriously on. It's not what you say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, I was like, it's about the content. It's not about the look. You know, that's so interesting because. You know the show, The Talk on CNBC, uh, CBS? Yes. Uh, it's a panel of female hosts. They come together and they talk about different yeah. issues and all of that. So uh, in one of their returns, you know, new season uh, a couple of years ago, they had what they called Secrets Week. And one of the hosts, uh, Julie Chen, she revealed a secret because she's of Asian heritage. She was told, well, she wanted a job. She wanted to be a partic- an anchor on a particular show. And the person responsible for that show, she went, knocked on the door, said, I want this. And they said, you know what? Because of your eyes, oh, when you're man. interviewing, it looks like you look disinterested. And then she went to an agent who said, I'll only represent you if you have the surgery. Um, so surgery oh that would kind of lift and open up her eyes. 
So there are so many things that so and she did things. it. She did, did it. So that was it? her secret. So you were told to cut your hair cut if you wanted hair. to get forward. I was told get to dress di- differently. I was watching what was happening globally, and there was this big shift mm. where women did have longer hair. It was slightly curlier. They were showing their arms. They were dressing slightly mm. more themselves as opposed to being, you know, like doctors, you know, looking very serious or whatever. You know, not no. I'm not saying doctors are serious, but yeah, you know, you know yeah. what I mean in terms of that look and style. So I was already evolving to try and match that international standard mm. and I was being pushed down locally and I was also being berated for my look. So you're too pretty or that colored lipstick is too much for your long hair and you oh, looking too pretty, geez. which means they're not going to take you seriously or you, we'll send you to that interview because that CEO does like pretty girls and <gasps> it was constantly the sexist stuff that was being thrown. I promise. And actually I was watching Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie uh, doing an interview with uh, Christiana Mampo and she was telling about, telling her about this this list of sexual harassment and sexist incidents that have happened to her and I literally sat down and wrote my own and mm. the list is li- is endless and to kind of overcome all of these things as you're trying to make it big globally is I mean you've got to be really strong and that comes from things that you've learned at home from your mother and then obviously the stuff inside you mm-hmm. and I I don't know how I got through it I don't know how I didn't conform to what everyone wanted me to be locally and I know a lot of people probably are listening the people that said these things to me you know once I had a head of news coming to me and saying I don't know who did your eyeliner today but you look really cheap on air and it was a woman it wasn't even a man and it's these things that keep on, I get, I, I, it, it frustrates, it infuriates me because I, 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 when I think back, I brushed it off and I went, okay, I'm sorry, let me take my eyeliner off. How, would, how did. did you react? I would be like, okay, I'm sorry. I was always apologetic and I was like, always okay, okay, I'll try my best or whatever. But I think with my hair and my, my dress, you know, dress code, I always just stuck to my guns because I said, if people are doing this globally and I want to be global and I like this look, I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And it actually worked in my favor and. You know, TV is a visual element and it is a visual medium and yes. you've got to, you've got to look at what's happening globally you so, know, to make it as well. Um, Bishop T.D. Jakes talks mm-hmm. about how, you know, being famous and all of that has unleashed a certain reaction from people. You know, people feel free that they have the license to criticize you in any which way they want, right? I know. Take shots at you in any which way. Especially if you're a woman, by the way. Right. He'd say, he was talking about how he'd have to hold his wife tears after things had been written about yeah. him. His son, you know, just upset his, his life. Yeah. And he was saying to upset with God that take me out of this. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and then he said, if you just let me loose, I could show these people, like I would have the, I, yeah. I would give it to that was, them. That was towards a man, right? Women yeah. couldn't even, yeah. I yeah. think women are definitely. So do you ever get tempted to kind of just hit hard, hit hard I back? I, you know, I think now. Or do you think it's just not professional? At CNN, at CNN, I haven't. I, I think I've really come into my own. I mean, I'm 35 now, and I'm a new mother, and all of that, and I've mm. really come into my own more recently. And I'm embarrassed to say that my previous, you know, places of employment, I was a lot more demure, and I would just kind of take it, and I didn't really fight back as much. Now I definitely would, and mm. I have fought back when I needed to fight back, especially mm. when it comes to women's rights in the workplace or maternity leave or whatever. Um, but I promise you, if anything like that does happen to me again, or someone does speak to me about my dress code, or I will definitely fight back. Yeah. Um, and I think you should. I think people should. I think this is fallacy that when you're on, on air, when you're on TV or even radio, that people have this kind of carte blanche to talk about the way you look or the way they should talk about your content and the way you sound and the way you're delivering on stories and everything else should be secondary to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you've also interviewed a number of really impressive business leaders, world leaders. Yes, I have. What are some of the insights? Because I think when you get to uh, have these exchanges, 
you also mm. left different you different you, you every time if, really every time uh-huh. every single time Who's the most memorable you know it's and such, why it's such a hard question it really really is because i've every everyone leaves a mark on me um i'm going to talk about some of the business leaders because i think the people that i interview the most that leave a mark on me are not the people in boardrooms mm-hmm. or the presidents or the ceos mm-hmm. are the people on the ground you know like this one man in in zimbabwe a homeless man who was basically um you know a, a lawyer degreed lawyer and was telling me about his life and now he was you know about 75 years old with no pension and literally starving on the streets i mean oh. those kind of people leave mark on me um and Jeez. despite their hard work and despite the fact that they were into eternal optimists everything around them just crumbled and some things they you know you can't have in your control but then if i juxtapose that against the kind of boardroom and i hear people like Eliko Dangote the richest man in africa who will interview me who make me interview him rather at 1 a.m. in the morning and then still continue with his day with more meetings after what? that it makes me realize what the hell am I doing with my life and I'm so unproductive and when I get that call from ni- at 9 a.m. from CNN I shouldn't complain because actually there shouldn't be a limit on your day at all <laughs> if you really want to make it big right so um, and they are all eternal optimists the guys right at the top they believe in making the world better and gone are the days where it was just about filling a gap and making money and capitalizing on a specific sector. Now it's about impact investing. Mm. It's about changing the person's life that's living in the most rural and remote areas on the continent. Mm. And that is what strikes me most, from the Bill Gates to the Richard Bransons to the Alikos to the Patrice Motsepas of this world. Everyone is trying in some way to allocate resources to create a better world. Right. These people have a lot of resources. Yeah, I think they can, can give a lot more, <laughs> to be honest. But I mean, generally, there's this whole sense of optimism, and I walk away feeling inspired as opposed to depressed. But when I speak to people on the ground, I more than often feel, where are we going mm. you know, as a humanity? And it worries me. Um, you know, there's something that happened on our show that we haven't really talked to our listeners about. Someone sent us um, a video via WhatsApp of child porn. Ah. And my producer mistakenly opened it, right? And... There are things, you, the diet, what you consume also affects you. In doing our work, you get heavily affected. Very. The stories that you get so up close and personal with leave you so, so affected. So what's your routine? Okay. What do you do to, to bring yourself back to a sense of restoration? You know, I'm, my hair is so raising as you're saying this. Mm-hmm. As you're saying it. Mm-hmm. You know, when um, this news broke that um, children were being taken away from their parents um, at the border with Mexico, I actually cried myself to sleep for a few nights. I couldn't cope because as a mother of a one-year-old child, Mm. I literally imagined Cleo being taken away from me and Mm. someone taking her, not knowing how to feed her and her cues and all of that. And I thought, how can we be so inhumane? And I thought if the leader of the free world can allow a policy like that Mm. to be around, what else are we thinking where there isn't that kind of, you know, democratic environment. And when you're saying child porn or when you're watching these videos of children being hit or whatever, you know, how do you bring yourself back? It's so hard for me. I'll be honest with you. It It is is. so difficult. And when you're traveling into poor areas and you see the, uh, you see how people live and you see how they just live right next to sewers and children are playing in sewers and you see they don't have access to healthcare and Mm. proper food, it breaks my heart. Needless to say, you know, as a privileged, privileged white woman, I walk away giving away a lot of my money 
and whatever I can whenever I travel to these places. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. and that's just a small reprieve for them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's so hard for me. It really, Do you think really more is. needs to be done to support journalists? Uh, and is there? Have you worked in a place where there is this kind of support? Yeah, there is. At CNN, there is. I mean, we've got call lines and helplines, and whenever we're feeling down, we, you know, we are yeah. able to call for professional help. But I think a lot of us probably don't. And we always just try and pull ourselves back. I think I always kind of go between being, being an optimist and then feeling completely depressed about the realities of, of a lot of people. Which can make continent. it manic. It's it, so it, manic. It makes it. But you, you must know. stay true to, to telling the story, right? So when you see these poor people and you right. see how, how the inequality that is facing us, and then you go and speak to a CEO that's going, you know, we're going to make this huge, you know, oil refinery and it's going to be amazing. And then you see how people are suffering on the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you bring those two stories together? And mm-hmm. you have to somehow tell both ends of the story and be true to that because, um, you know, governments everywhere in the world need to do a lot more to bring down the inequality that is facing us. Yeah. We've got a caller for you. <laughs> Eleni, we've got Rufilwe calling from Centurion. Hi. Hi, Hi Eleni. It's Rufilwe. I am such a huge fan of your work. Oh, thank you so I much. I followed you um, and I was so excited um, when you got the job at CNN back in 2015. Thank I you. just want to say that you make us so proud oh, thank you. And, um, and you remind us that you know what, it, it's possible. Thank it's you possible so much. For all of us. It is absolutely so possible. Keep, yeah, keep up the good work. We are extremely proud of you. Thank you so much. Very cool. We really appreciate wow. it. That's lovely. Thanks. Thank you. You do a lot of mentoring. I do. I love coaching. it. Oh, I love it. You know, yeah. one of the reasons when you become a mentor is because you've been mentored by the best. And I think a lot of women have very bad experiences when they get into the industry because mm-hmm. um, most people don't want to see you do well. I'm going to just put it out there, especially other women. Mm. But I was very lucky that even though I had a lot of people that probably didn't want to see me do well and were trying to push me down, I had, I've got a list of people that believed in me. So the Peter Endoras, the Bronwyn Nielsens of this world, who literally would like take me under her wing and force me to ad lib. I would be getting a coffee and she'd be like, talk to me about what the Rand is doing today. Tell me about the Dow Jones. What, you know, and I'm like, don't do this. And she's like, if you want to get good, you know, she would like completely like, you know, push me. And then Nikiwa Bikicha, who would stand down from doing live um, hits and shows so that I could fill in for her to give me a break to be on TV because she believed in me. Mm. Mapi Mklangu now, who is heading up ENCA, also did the same with me. Sikim Gabadeli. I have so many people that backed me. And, um, I'm just absolutely so fortunate to have all these people to have believed in me. And that's what's so important. And that's why I mentor as well, because I had such a good experience and mm-hmm. I help whoever comes my way. When people knock on my door, I give them advice. I help them get jobs if I can, or I put them in contact with people that can, you know, help them, uh, you know, look, they've got to have the talent and, mm-hmm. and do the hard work, but mm-hmm. I'll always be there for them. And I do a lot of motivational spe- uh, speeches because I do come from a background that if you looked at it at the surface, I probably wouldn't have been able to get to CNN as, as easily as a, a lot of other people. But, yes. um, you know, and I always share my, my personal story, which I think is quite inspiring. So you've traveled this con- continent. What do you think the future of media is, particularly when you look at Africa? I think Africa is coming to its own, into its own. I think we're also breeding a new generation of incredible um, journalists. But at the same time, I feel like we're losing a lot of incredible in, uh journalists to Mm. entrepreneurship because these people are very smart. So they're becoming the new business leaders of this world. Um, We have uh, incredible stories to tell. So I'm I'm really worried still that a lot of the stories that are coming out of Africa are done by international media that have international people working on the ground. We have a 
powerhouse of new um, media houses that are opening up as well. Mm. Um, most people are going to be consuming news on their mobile phones. So there is going to be a lot of room for it. And let me tell you, there's hunger on the ground to see more African stories told, um, especially on the entrepreneurship side. Yes. I'm very optimistic and positive that things are going to go very well from here onwards. I just wish that I think globally, and I'm not talking just about CNN, but I think all international media, mm-hmm. when it comes to Africa, let's tell the good business stories like we're doing. You know, go in on the ground, figure out the good stories, the good feel-good stories, the business things, the entrepreneurs that are growing. Um, there's so much more to be told than just the poverty and inequality, which I know I was alluding to earlier, mm-hmm. but there's a wide range of things that we could be talking about. Absolutely. Um, so I do, you know, because you've been so honest, you've been so open, um, and I'm still kind of struck by the comment you made about most, a lot of people don't want to see you succeed, no. particularly women. And in a moment, I just had a flash. I had to go over my 20 year career and see if it mirrors and reflects that, you know, I'm not, my verdict is not done yet. So I can't. I'm really. sure you'll come up with a couple of examples of people yes. being here. No, they're there. Surely. They're there. But, you know, I just need to distill it to one conclusion about this journey. The examples are certainly there. No doubt about that. But and nervousness. Mm. You stood in for Richard Quest. <laughs> that is an incredible platform. And, of course, just following in the footsteps of someone that is so iconic in yeah. the style and what he's done for reporting and anchoring in general. The Hollywood Reporter had a, a roundtable of male actors, like really prominent male actors, and they all talked about how nervous they get before they get on stage. Michael Caine was talking about how certain theatres would have a bucket next to the stage. Yes. And he said, what's that for? They said, it's for when you want to throw up. <laughs> Will Smith said he can't stop going to the bathroom because he, his bladder just suddenly gets full. So how do you deal? Oh, what is man. your level this, of, of nervousness and how do you deal with it? The bladder gets full thing. I just have to clarify <laughs> on this. You can need the bathroom so badly yeah. before you go on air. <laughs> and you can be on air for two hours and not need the bathroom. It's the weird. I mean, you probably know this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the adrenaline. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how it works. I don't mm. know how, you know, the blood is attached to the adrenaline kind of <laughs> scenario. But I mean, on that front. But filling in for Richard Grace. So this was like, this was 2016, March. Now I'd been in the industry for a very long time because I started off with radio and kind of moved, you know, to various channels. And I hadn't felt nervous mm. for years. I mean, I could, I, I, I used to ad lib for eight hours, eight minutes in a, uh, you know, in a row, or I'd be, I did the Oscar Pistorius thing, which I was literally on air for, I mean, like six hours without a break. Mm. No, I wouldn't feel any nervousness at all. Then I'm, I'm leading up to the show and I'm in New York and I'm like, oh my goodness, what have I done? What am I doing? I phone Peter and Dora. I'm like, what am I doing? He's like, you can do this. Then I phone Bronwyn and I phone Nikki and, and Nikki Way. I phone everybody and I'm like, what am I doing? I better <laughs> run. They're like, you will not run. You will do the show and you will do well. I get, um, into the studio and we do a dry run of just the intro and I was like can we just carry on doing a dry run of everything whatever we can do just to ease my nerves and as they're counting down I start to feel nausea I mean but immense nausea yes I don't know how I pulled it together I don't know how I did it but I did it you did it I d- it was very difficult and filling in for someone like Richard firstly you don't want to disappoint Richard secondly you know that everyone is watching you because now the CNN executives have paid all this money to fly you to New York so you better not you know, do a shoddy job of it <laughs> and then you also want to prove to yourself that you're capable right absolutely. so that's also part of it absolutely oh no the nerves are something else and like just overcoming conquering them yeah reigning do you still them get in nervous? Every single day. Do you? No, I can't believe that. Why? Every single day, Lenny. I, like, I, I, 
I'm, just, I'm always, surprised. Always. But that's very good. I mean, they say if you don't get nervous, then you shouldn't be doing it. But yeah. I find that because I don't get nervous, I'm able to put my adrenaline into other things and focus. And if I'm prepared, I don't get nervous. If I'm not prepared, then I definitely do feel quite I nervous. I get nervous right through, prepared really? and otherwise. We've got Beverly quickly before we wrap up. Hi, Beverly. Hi, how are you guys? We're Hi. good. Thank you. Welcome. Chat to Eleni. Thank you, Eleni. It's so wonderful to hear your voice. You probably don't remember me, but I remember you when you started out on TV with Lerato, with Sikandor, yes. <laughs> but I was like in the marketing and sales department with Alex and the team. So it's just so wonderful to see how your career has taken off and thank everybody you. else. And thank I'm so proud of you guys. Oh, it's thank so you. inspiring to see where you all have you know, gone with your careers. Thank you so much, Beverly. I do remember you. Good to hear you too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. All the best. Take care. Thank you, Beverly. I've got to take headlines, but beyond CNN, what else do you dream of? Uh, you know what? I've got to conquer CNN. I'm mean, in CNN where there's different like tiers at CNN. I've mm-hmm. got to get to the top of CNN. I mean, You're the wolf you know, blitzer. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if I can compete with wolf. Of course, my accent is going to be a problem. But, you know, I mean, look at what Robin uh, Kerno is doing. I mean, we, you know, the world is our oyster as South Africans. And I think if we believe in ourselves and as Africans in general, you are we doing can get it, global. Eleni. You are doing it. Thank you. Oh, that was Eleni Diokos. What an inspiration. And she was our Friday profile.